0: We're here in 1 John chapter 1, and we'll be reading uh, verse by verse through the chapters and making a few comments as we go. In verse 1, uh, John the Apostle writes, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So we see that uh, John and the other disciples, they personally encountered Jesus. And this is the true source of joy, right? Uh, Jesus is the radiance of God in human form. And as they interacted with Jesus, um, we're going to see that he says, we're writing these things that you might have a fullness of joy. Uh, John wrote this letter most likely between uh, the years of 90 and 95 uh, of the Common era, And that's approximately 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as he remembers back seeing Jesus uh, meet people's needs, do miracles, hearing Jesus speak the words of life, and also uh, physically touching Jesus and being touched by Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) You know, Jesus, he washed the, the feet of the disciples. He touched them. He gave them the assurance that they were his and that they were in a close relationship with him. And the same words that John spoke, we need to hear now. We need to live by the truth that we're going to be reading. And we see that as they saw Jesus, as they looked and watched the miracles of Jesus, as they touched Jesus, they experienced joy. And we can experience that joy as well. Uh, A question for you. Are you hearing the voice of Jesus? As you do your devotions, as you read the Bible, as you pray, are you hearing His voice in your heart, encouraging you and strengthening you? Are you seeing God work in your life and through your life? In verse 2, we're told the life, speaking of uh, Jesus. In verse 1, is called the Word of Life. Uh, in verse 2, it says, The life was manifested or revealed, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So it's a similar start in 1 John as is to the Gospel of John. He calls Jesus the Word. Uh, meaning like the concept or the very essence of life. And here uh, we're told that that essence of life was revealed to us in human form. Uh, John says in the Gospel of John, in um, chapter 1, verse 14, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld him and received his fullness and grace upon grace. So... God chose to come to earth to reveal His essence and to reveal that He is the source of eternal life. And I think this is another source of joy for us, understanding that what we're experiencing now is not everything that we're going to have. We're going to have eternal life, and that eternal life is a source of great joy for us. We're not just relying upon the things that we're experiencing now, But we're going to have assurance that God is going to set everything right. And he's going to give us not just life, but eternal life. I've had many people die uh, in my family and in my uh, realm of friends. And when you lose somebody uh, through death, you feel a certain sorrow and a certain weakness. But if they're believers, you know that you're going to be reunited with them. And that eternal life is a source of great stability and joy because God promises us that we'll be reunited with Him in His perfection, but we'll also see one another in the glory of who He's created us to be. When I think of God's eternal plan, I have joy. Uh, Not just because it's something far off, but it's something that is transforming me now. We're supposed to have joy in spite of our circumstances, not because of our circumstances. Happiness comes when something good takes place, right? Uh, Someone says, hey, let me go and buy you your favorite meal, or let's go and have your favorite type of ice cream. And while you're eating it, you're happy, right? But the next morning you wake up and you have new challenges for the day, and you kind of forget that happiness because it doesn't stick with you, it doesn't carry you very long. But joy is enduring. It's something that is settled within us and something that radiates from us. It helps us to get through sorrow and pain. So the question is, why do we spend so much time focusing on the problems of this life? When God offers us eternal life, why do we focus so much on our circumstances when His joy is above our circumstances? We really need to remember this. Because all of us have difficulties. All of us have family or friends that are struggling. And yet we have a source of hope. The Bible calls it a living hope. A hope that is there for us today, but will get us through any challenge. And in verse two, uh, we read that the life appeared. Jesus came. We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life. So here it says, proclaiming that eternal life. In the translation that I also uh, read, it says, and we bear witness and declare to you the eternal life. So we have both received Jesus as Savior and received eternal life, but we're also supposed to be declaring that to others. And when we share our faith, it brings us joy to see God bring salvation and hope into the life of others. In verse three, it says, we proclaim to you what we have also seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write to you this to make your joy complete. And in the other translation, it says, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I like a fullness, right? When you uh, see the mountain, It's beautiful when there's a cloud above it, but when you uh, see the mountain and you see the fullness of its shape or the snow when it comes on the mountain for the first time as uh, we look out, there's something about seeing something in its fullness. Or when you uh, see the moon and it's just a sliver of the moon, it's interesting, but when you see a full moon and it's coming up and it's maybe (coughs) reflecting certain light from the atmosphere, it's a beauty when we see something full. And here, uh, one of the reasons that John writes is he says that we write these things to you that you might have joy in its fullness. And there's actually, if you're reading 1 John, which I encourage you because we're going to go through uh, the next week's covering uh, this epistle of 1 John, there's three reasons that he says we're writing this. So this week, uh, one of them is... Immediately in chapter 2 you'll be able to find it and then there's another one that there's three reasons that he says We're writing and so I would encourage you to look for those as you're reading through first John uh, What causes us to have joy? What is it that he's writing here? He says we write these things to you that your joy may be full. What is it? Well first he says that God became a man Right? Isn't that amazing? Uh, If you look around us at the state of humans and how we're warring with one another, how we're fighting with one another, how we're envious or uh, deceiving or stealing from one another, would you, if you were the eternal creator, would you want to come down and humble yourself to become a man? To me, it's a source of joy that our God is so loving and so compassionate, He chose To become a person and he revealed himself in the person of Jesus to interact with people not just to become a person to teach us but to interact with us and I'm happy for that right that he wants to know me personally and he wants to interact with me so that's one source of joy the other is that through faith in Jesus we have eternal life and that is is such an encouragement and such a joy, especially in times when we recognize a person's health is failing, when our time with them is going to be limited and they're going to die uh, in this physical body. But if they're a believer, they're going to enter into eternal life. And Jesus came to restore us in this eternal relationship. So that's a great source of joy. And then it says in verse 3. Uh, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's writing, saying, fellowship with the Father and with the Son is a source of joy. So we can make a conclusion, right? If you are lacking in joy in your life, it's probably that you're not close enough in your relationship with Jesus and with the Heavenly Father. And the closer you get, the more you will be established in your peace and contentment from within. Now verse uh, 5 through 7, we'll read and uh, make a few comments as we go. 1 John chapter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim that we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So here we see uh, something else that brings joy. God is light. In his very essence, he is light. And the scripture uh, gives us an explanation of what light represents. Uh, One thing that light represents is purity. God is holy. There is nothing wrong or immoral in the character of God. God is pure. And uh, we're told here that if we have been in darkness uh, through fellowship with him and through recognizing the blood of Jesus... He can cleanse us to make us pure. Have you ever um, done something wrong, and as soon as you did it, your conscience bothered you? Almost everybody has, right? You have a warning, don't do that. Maybe it's not to get angry, not to shout, and then you do it, and then you feel bad inside. But as soon as you confess it, right, which we're going to see in the next verses, God is willing to cleanse us through the blood of Jesus and restore us into that purity. And that purity that speaks of God's light is a source of joy to us. He restores us in fellowship. Uh, Now, the question for us is, when you've done something wrong, do you confess it, right? Do you desire to be restored in that right relationship? It says here, In verse 8 and 9, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So the process of confessing our sins brings us back into a right relationship. And there's another aspect of purity it's living like Jesus. If you turn over to 1st John chapter 3, we're going to see that Jesus is our example, and our example in purity. And it's a responsibility. Listen to these verses, 1st John chapter 3 from verse 1 through 3. How great is the love of the Father, that He has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are the children of God, and we, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we, will, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as He is pure. So it says here that we haven't seen the fullness or the reality of how we are going to be transformed. But we have this hope. And everyone who hopes in Jesus lives in a pure way, even as Jesus is pure. And um, I like the translation that says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as He is pure. So it's a motivation for us. And when we live a pure life, we have joy from having a right relationship. Something else, uh, going back to John chapter 1, where it says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness of all. Uh, Something else that light represents, and light represents life, right? Uh, Because uh, the Gospel of John, John records in chapter 8, verse 12, I'll read it for you. Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Right? So light represents life. Uh, God is both the source of light and he's also dwelling in light. He's emitting light and his light is never diminished. Now we lived for almost one year in Nigeria. Nigeria Is kind of a difficult place to live. Uh, Most of the time you do not have consistent electricity and the electricity there they call it NEPA which means the Nigerian Electrical Power Association and it's so infrequent that they have electricity a lot of times they'll put a light bulb outside to show if they need to do some sort of chores such as like running the pump to get water into the house the light bulb will come on and the children would be playing in Nigeria and then they would see the light bulb come on which you know for us a child would never pay attention whether a light bulb was on or off but the light bulb would come on they say nepa up right <laughs> and then a few minutes later because it's not consistent, the light would, the electricity would go off, and the light bulb would go off, and they go "Nepa down. <laughs> and uh, Marta and I, we were sitting on this small little balcony because it was so hot inside, and the neighbors had electricity, and we didn't. And for 19 days, we didn't have electricity. And Marta would see their ceiling fan working, like the fan back here, up there. And uh, she would see the light on, and we were using flashlights or candles. And she would say, how come they have light, and we don't have light? But you know, this light that God emits, it's a source of life Because He is life, and His light represents life as well. And when we have His life in us, it brings a brightness to our life, right? It's like we radiate because God's Spirit is working in us. Having fellowship with God means that we have His life and it's eternal life and it overcomes the darkness. Light also represents truth. And this is the third part that I want to talk about as far as what light, repre- what light represents. And I'm going to read a few verses from. Psalm 119, the first one, verse 105, which is a verse most of us know. Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Right? God's truth, His scripture, is light. Right? It brings light into our lives. And also, the same uh, Psalm 119 And verse 130, the entrance of your words gives light. Have you ever found that? Going through a difficult time, you open up the scripture, and God speaks to you, and it brings light into your challenge. So, uh, God's word represents uh, light. And we see from 1 John uh, chapter 1, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. I like that. Right? There's no shadow, uh, no hint of darkness in God. He's radiating his light. So light in the scripture represents purity, represents life, and le- represents truth. And we need to be living in his purity, uh, having his life as a source of our life, and also abiding in his truth so that we can be transformed. Now, let's finish uh, today as we talk about some practical steps to experience the fullness of joy. One, day by day, we need to be abiding in Jesus. We need to be hearing him speak to our hearts, seeing him work in our lives, and interacting with him. And Jesus encourages us in John chapter 15. uh, I'll read from John 15, 9 through 11, about abiding in Him. And listen what it says, the result of abiding in Jesus is. John 15, verse 9 through 11. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Do you see that? It says, as the Father loved me, I have loved you. That amazes me. That the power and the unchanging love of the Heavenly Father, that it was expressed to Jesus. He says, I'm going to love you in the same way. There is no reason for a believer in Jesus to feel lacking in love. And I always say that if you feel lacking in love, it's because you've taken a step back, not because Jesus has taken a step back, right? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His love is consistent. And He says, if you abide in My commandments, you will abide in My love. Then He says in verse 11, these things, I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full." So if you're lacking in joy, ask the Lord Jesus to overwhelm you with His love, right? Have you ever been so overwhelmed that you're just praising God? I've been so overwhelmed with God's love that I've I've cried, not because I was sad, but because I was so deeply touched by the power of His love. And we need to experience his love in such a way that we have fullness of joy. Are you making efforts to be closely connected to Jesus day by day? That's what it is to be abiding. It means to be connected in an unwavering relationship. Another practical step is to keep eternal life as a focus in our daily life. In Colossians uh, chapter 3, Paul writes, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, meaning focus upon heaven, focus upon God, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. How much time do we focus our mind upon things around us? How much do you focus your mind on that little screen in front of you? Whether it's a phone screen, a computer screen, a television screen. And we're focusing upon things of the earth when we do that, for the most part. But we need to focus upon things above. And it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Right? He's going to come again, and he's going to receive us to himself. So let's focus upon that. And also, Jesus is our example of going through difficulties and being able to focus upon something greater than the difficulty. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read, Since we have been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is verse 1 and 2, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, when he went through the most difficult time in his life and the most difficult situation that anyone has ever experienced, he focused upon the joy that was set before him, that he was going to bring many people to salvation through his death on the cross. Remember, God's joy is not because of our circumstances, But it's in spite of our circumstances. Do you understand that? We don't look to our circumstances to get joy. Our joy is greater than our circumstances. And Jesus is our example. He had joy that was set before him, and so he endured the suffering of the cross. And another practical step is to pray. It says in 1 John, we're to confess, right? We're to confess our sin. That's part of praying. And Jesus says, uh, that's recorded in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24. Jesus says these words. In that day, you ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now listen to this verse, the words of Jesus. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Right? Some of us, we had great joy in receiving answered prayer even this week. And when we pray according to the will of God and according to the heart of Jesus, we are going to get answers. And when we get answers, we're going to have joy. Uh, Martin and I have been praying for a long time to have a house And uh, just this last weekend, we moved in. And the last weeks, uh, we've had joy because he's answered a prayer. And so when you pray according to his will and he answers, you're going to have joy. Here's a practical step. Turn from complaining, right? Did you know that that's a biblical command? A lot of us forget it. Do you want me to read it to you? Or maybe you want to complain, <laughs> so, so you don't want me to read it to you because you prefer to complain. Well, uh, Paul, who writes so many practical instructions, he writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, if you don't want to hear it, you might want to cover yours real quick. Here it comes. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Right? We have a lot of reasons that we think we should be complaining, right? That politician's not this way. This thing in the city is not working the way that I want it to. This problem's not getting solved the way that I want it to. And we complain. But it says, do all things without complaining. What's the solution? He says also in Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And then he says, if you have something that you're anxious about, pray about it because we're really not supposed to be anxious for anything, but in everything we're to pray with supplication and thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. So, turn from complaining. You have to discipline yourself. You don't realize you do it as much as you do. And turn to giving thanks asking God to work. Uh, We are to be different, right? And when we make these simple changes, people will see us as different. And they'll ask us, why are you different? How can you live in such a way? Show other people around us that you are a believer and that you're a believer filled with joy. And the last verses I'm going to leave with you today are found in Romans chapter 14. Such encouraging verses. About this time of day, most of us are starting to feel a little bit hungry. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, after we finish the service, we'll talk a little bit. And then the next thing is, what, is we, what are we going to do? Where are we going to eat? Or what are we going to have for lunch? But the words of Paul in Romans chapter 14, verse 16 and 17 says, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil. That's verse 16. Now verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So don't let your good be spoken of as evil, right? Don't let a person look at your life and say, they say they're believers, but why don't they live in faith? Or they say they're believers, but why do they complain so much? Or they say they're believers, but why don't they? Ever have them praying for me or encouraging me, right? Don't let our good be spoken of as evil. And then the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. We all need God's work in our hearts, stirring us up to righteousness, peace, and joy. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, we come to you, we just pray, touch us deep within. Stir up your love within our hearts. Help us to be content in who you are and who you've created us to be, and bring your joy back to our life. Holy Spirit, you said one of the fruit of your work in our life is joy. We pray that you would show us if there's areas that we've been complaining too much or focusing upon things of the earth, And that you would turn our eyes back upon heaven, back upon our eternal hope, and that you would renew our close relationship with you, relationship of walking in purity, walking in light and in truth, and that we would have your joy as the strength of our lives. We thank you, Lord. You promise the joy of the Lord is your strength. So strengthen us now. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen.